Section eight of a picture book of merry tales by Anonymous. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section eight, chapters thirty two through thirty five. Chapter thirty two, teeny tiny. Once upon a time, there was a teeny tiny woman who lived in a teeny tiny house in a teeny tiny village now one day this teeny tiny woman put on her teeny tiny bonnet and went out of her teeny tiny house to take a teeny tiny walk and when this teeny tiny woman had gone a teeny tiny way she came to a teeny tiny gate and went into a teeny tiny churchyard and when this teeny tiny woman had got into the teeny tiny churchyard she saw a teeny tiny bone on a teeny tiny grave and the teeny tiny woman said to her teeny tiny self this teeny tiny bone will make me some teeny tiny soup for my teeny tiny supper so the teeny tiny woman put the teeny tiny bone into her teeny tiny pocket and went home to her teeny tiny house now when the teeny tiny woman got home to her teeny tiny house she was a teeny tiny tired so she went up her teeny tiny stairs to her teeny tiny bed and put the teeny tiny bone into a teeny tiny cupboard and when this teeny tiny woman had been to sleep a teeny tiny time she was awakened by a teeny tiny voice from the teeny tiny cupboard which said give me my bone at this the teeny tiny woman was a teeny tiny frightened so she hid her teeny tiny head under the teeny tiny clothes and went to sleep again and when she had been asleep a teeny tiny time the teeny tiny voice again cried out from the teeny tiny cupboard a teeny tiny louder give me my bone this made the teeny tiny woman a teeny tiny more frightened and she hid her teeny tiny head a teeny tiny further under the teeny tiny clothes and when the teeny tiny woman had been to sleep again a teeny tiny time the teeny tiny voice from the teeny tiny cupboard said again a teeny tiny louder give me my bone and this teeny tiny woman was a teeny tiny bit more frightened but she put her teeny tiny head out of the teeny tiny clothes and said in her loudest teeny tiny voice take it chapter thirty three the cannibal cow it was in the year blank but why should i insult you by being more particular in date than that it was during the irish rebellion when one dreadfully stormy night old goff with his wife daughter and only son tim were sitting in the kitchen which not only served as general sitting-room but was also the old couple's bedroom the wind howled and blew in gusts shaking the windows and doors as one without in a hurry to get in amongst whose virtues patience could not be numbered this is a fearful night old goff said and fearful work may be is going on just now for i heard from neighbour flanagan that the redcoats have been seen in the neighbourhood go tim and see that all the doors are well fastened and when the old woman has given us our supper we'll get to bed for that is the safest place these times the old man had no sooner spoken than there was a tap at the door at first gentle as however neither father nor son moved but sat staring at each other in fear and trembling the knocking grew louder and louder at length tim whispered hadn't you best go to the door father 
for that will impose upon them more if it's thaves they are and show more respect like if it's the redcoats no no my son the old man whispered back you go for then they will see that you are safely at home like a steady lad and not out with those wild boys who are the cause of all these troubles go my son but don't open the door for the life of ye but ask the gentleman civil who might be there and what they might be wanting there was no help for it so poor tim crept to the door and after listening whether he heard the cocking of pistols or the clanking of swords mustered courage to ask who was there and who should it be sure was answered from without but paddy and paddy the piper ah then let me in darlint that i may warm and dry meself for it's colder than the squire's greetin and as damp as they say itself without answering him tim ran back to his father who in the meantime had put out the light and had got as far as the kitchen door to listen now tim in his hurry rushed upon the old man who went rolling down and tim to save himself caught hold of the table which he upset and he himself fell sprawling upon the floor not being hurt he went to help his father who was shouting thieves and murder and it was some time before his son could convince him that the place was not full of thieves but that it was only paddy the piper who wanted to come in nay lave me in pace he said as tim tried to raise him up i'm dead sure but what about paddy tim asked and are you sure it's paddy it is and that it is by himself he is and then the old man added if it's the piper himself i think bad not to give him the bit and the sup but you mustn't let him in tim for sure it's paddy has a baddish name and if he's a found here we shall all swing for it but take the cay my boy and let him into caddy's shed where he can be as comfortable like as the priest himself in his own bed and he shall not go without his supper now caddy you must know was old goff's best and favourite cow and as such had a shed to herself to which tim led the piper and when paddy had a good large mug of whisky he forgot that he was wet and cold we will not assist at old goff's recovery from being murdered quite but suppose him as well as the others safely in bed and as we shall be busy with the piper we will not disturb them till the morning paddy was so warm and comfortable after his supper but more particularly after the whisky that he felt one drop more would make him the happiest man in all ireland but he dared not risk offending old goff by disturbing him again for he always found a good friend in him when his wanderings took him that way what was to be done he tried to sleep but it would not do though it was not the want of a bed that troubled him for it was little paddy knew of that except by name and indeed catty gave him the best of accommodations but yet the comfort was fast oozing out of him now paddy had a friend who quietly and quite in private distilled the best of spirit and there was no fear of his being in bed at least not at night true he lived full four miles off and most of the way lay across a dreary bog but now that paddy was once with him in imagination he found less rest than ever tim had carefully locked catty's door but though old the piper was still active so made nothing of clambering up to a hole in the roof for where is the shed or cabin to be found in ireland that has not a hole in the roof 
if indeed what should be the roof is not one big hole in dear old ireland everything is old excepting the hearts and spirits of its people once outside the shed paddy made the best of his way towards his friends and expectation giving strength and activity to his legs he ran briskly on when all at once he was brought to a stand not because he was out of breath from running but from astonishment at the fruit borne by a sturdy old tree he had just reached a man well and securely hanged was dangling from a branch of the tree with his toes most provokingly just beyond reach of the ground paddy peered at him through the dark to see which of his friends it was and then addressed him thus ach murphy me lad and is it yourself i run me nose against here in the dark but i forgive ye for not getting out of the way seeing that your movements are not quite your own now tell me what has brought you here in this ugly fix but how's this he continued examining his friend still more closely and was it for this dance you put on them illicate boots why murphy i shouldn't know you if i didn't see that it's yourself but now paddy continued talking to himself his dance is over and what will he be wanting with his boots i'm certain he don't mind if i borrow em for sure me own brogues are none of the best but why my old friend he said again addressing the hanging man why didn't you put on your sunday best entirely for you're no better than a scarecrow dangling there paddy examined himself from head to foot and then shaking his head he muttered no i cannot better myself excepting the boots which i'll make bold to take trusting poor murphy won't feel his feet called after thus alternately soliloquizing and addressing his friend paddy set himself to work to pull off the dead man's boots but they resisted all his efforts he took it good-humouredly and out of humour but with equally bad success and at length went on his way but he could not make up his mind to resign such a splendid piece of good fortune so he returned after he had gone a few steps and made another attempt the boots however remained immovable and losing all patience he exclaimed bad luck to them and taking out a large knife he carried with him cut off the legs just above the boots thinking that more at his leisure he would be able to clear them out his plans were now altered and instead of going on to his friend he returned to catty's shed carefully carrying his new acquisition under his arm he found no difficulty in getting back into the shed but the difficulty of freeing the boots from the feet and portion of the legs that remained in them was increased rather than lessened and at length paddy fell asleep over his unaccomplished task when he awoke day was already beginning to dawn and as he wanted to be early at a small town some six miles off where there was to be a fair he had no time to lose so he quickly got out of the shed leaving the boots behind him as useless his friend murphy's feet pertinaciously keeping possession of them not long after tim went to fetch him to breakfast to make up for the inhospitality of the previous night for with returning light the courage of the family was restored and as is frequently the case with weak minds day gave an appearance of security to that which night had shrouded in danger what was his surprise to see the shed occupied by catty alone for he had found the door locked as he had left it the night before and yet paddy was nowhere to be seen 
he never once thought of the hole in the roof and was puzzled beyond measure patty must be somewhere so he looked in all the four corners of the shed under the straw and even under caddy herself who was comfortably lying down he now saw the boots and was more puzzled than ever he scratched his head as people will do when the understanding is at fault and during that process a horrible light burst upon him he rushed out of the shed back to the kitchen where to the amazement of all he let himself fall into old goff's just then vacant chair his mouth open his hair erect and his eyes nearly starting from his head all exclaimed with one voice what in heaven's name has happened what is the matter with you tim after gasping several times for breath tim cried out ach the unnatural baste ach the bloodthirsty cannibal poor patty ach the murdering brute in the name of all the saints tell us what has happened his father said and after a few more incoherent sentences tim related how on going into the shed he should not find the piper though he could not have got out for he had locked the door the night before and found it still locked how that after looking all about he had discovered the boots but that catty had eaten up poor paddy an exclamation of horror burst from all every bit of him tim continued the bloodthirsty baste has eaten every bit of him not a morsel of poor paddy is left but the boots the rest were quite as much horrified as tim himself and not a word was uttered till his sister who first discovered something like self-possession said let us go and look once more for it is almost too horrible to believe that catty could do such a thing she has always been such a good gentle beast ach the cannibal tim muttered with a shudder tim old goff said i've heard that a cannibal is one man that eats another and if so perhaps caddy is not a cannibal but mind me i'm not going to defend the unnatural baste if she has eaten the piper did you say his pipes and all were gone take care and don't go too near the critter but take the pitchfork with you oh that i should ever live to hear the like most unwillingly tim went back to the shed but as his sister led the way he was ashamed to remain behind however when they got there catty began bellowing with all her might for she was unused to being neglected and felt herself ill-used that tim should have been in without taking her her morning's food and now finding herself again disappointed she stared wildly at them both started back and tim cried see there how wicked she looks is that the baste you say is so gentle sure she's dangerous let's go back the sister ventured in and took the boots which she carried to the house these told the tale but too clearly and poor catty had not a single voice raised in her favour it was now discussed what should be done with the animal for keeping her was out of the question who would drink the milk of such a beast besides it was dangerous to go near her and it was therefore settled that tim should take her to the fair which fortunately was held that very day and sell her at any price suddenly they were startled by a loud bellowing from the shed for during this time no one had thought of feeding the poor beast and the next moment all were seized with the utmost consternation for caddy appeared at the shed door and walked straight up towards the house 
the kitchen was now a scene of the wildest confusion for in their eagerness to seize upon any article of furniture that might serve as a weapon of defence they rushed against each other but Catty stopped at some fresh grass that was in a cart near the house which indeed had attracted her as soon however as she had taken the edge off her morning appetite she went to the window for she was a sociable beast and had always been accustomed to be noticed but all the inmates of the kitchen were huddled together at the further end and their terror is indescribable when she pushed the window open for it had not been properly fastened she however stood so quiet and looked so gentle and mild that after a time old goff mustered courage to say now that she has filled herself with grass she will perhaps not bite so now is the time to secure her take the rope that is hanging up there tim make a noose and slip it quickly over her nose as tim hesitated his sister said i will go with you and then he did as he was directed till as he was about to slip the rope over her nose she opened her mouth thinking it was something for her to eat tim started back so suddenly that losing his balance he fell flat upon the floor shouting for help but his sister catching hold of the rope put it round Catty's nose and when tim saw that there was no danger he finished the work for her tying the rope at least half a dozen times around the unresisting creature's jaws nothing now remained to be done but for tim to get on his sunday clothes which did not take long and poor Catty was let off receiving much rougher treatment than she had been accustomed to for a time tim and Catty had the road to themselves and were not over pleasant companions for to poor Catty all seemed strange besides that she received many a blow from her guide who was in anything but a good humour and when they were joined by any one it made it none the more pleasant for tim who now found out all the difficulties he had to contend with for he was not prepared with an answer when asked what was the reason why Catty was to be sold or why her mouth was fastened up so what could he answer for as he said to himself if i tell the truth who would buy the unnatural baste and i won't let the people think we want money his pride revolted at this but it was evident he must be prepared with a more satisfactory answer than he had hitherto given namely that he did not know why his father intended to part with his cow for he heard two farmers who had lately joined the others talking thus together the one said why that's old goff's favourite cow sure it can't be it's selling her he is for i heard that he was offered twelve pounds for her no longer than a fortnight ago but he wouldn't sell her at any price oh, maybe it's gone dry she is said the other no she doesn't look like that then it's money he wants maybe the rent isn't paid and no it's not that the first speaker interrupted him for old goff is too close an old fist not to have plenty of money but mark me neighbour there is something wrong with her sleek and fresh as she looks and it isn't i that would be buying her at any price poor tim was sadly puzzled for it was impossible he could escape being asked all manner of questions and he knew no more than his heels what to say then he feared that no one would have her and what should he do with her then his worst fears were soon to be realized for a newcomer who had heard the end of the conversation of the last two speakers now said to him 
well tim and what has the darling of your house done that you want to sell her is it fits she has for there's nothing wild in her eye or it's vicious she is speak man what is the matter with her to avoid unpleasant questions tim said it's too much trouble to my sister to attend to her for it's my sister's cow she is and is it washing her face of a morning that's too much trouble to your sister tim was now asked or perhaps combing her hair is troublesome or maybe it's cutting her corns your sister doesn't like but come tim that won't do man for why is catty more trouble than the other cows let me look at her that i may see what ails her he examined her all over and to tim's horror taking the rope from round her nose looked into her mouth but he could not discover one single fault in her which only excited his suspicion the more maybe you'd take five pounds for her and as tim eagerly assented he continued you'll take five pounds for her and your father just a day or two ago refusing twelve there's something in all this i can't make out so go on with her for i'll none of her i'm not going to be tricked by you tim was now in utter despair he saw plainly he must say that it was money they wanted but would even that do for his father had other cows and why sell the one which everybody knew was his favourite his only chance was to get rid of her to some one who did not know him and he therefore hurried her on to the market the market was very full and when he found himself surrounded by strange faces he felt more at ease however no purchaser was found and tim began to feel not only impatient but seriously uneasy for caddy looked about her in a very suspicious manner and he dreaded the consequences should she grow very hungry he shuddered as he thought of the fate of poor paddy and all oh, horror just then he thought he saw paddy himself in the distance he could not take his eyes from the spot where he had seen the horrid apparition though he trembled at the possibility of its reappearance there it was again beckoning to him this was more than poor tim could bear and he rushed wildly out of the market down the nearest turning and out of the town on he ran not knowing where pursued in imagination by poor patty's ghost till out of breath when he ventured to look back he could run no more for he was now transfixed to the spot by horror catty with her mouth open came full gallop after him and quicker than the wind followed patty's ghost he stood motionless till they were close upon him and then fell senseless to the ground when he recovered he found paddy holding a pocket flask of whisky to his lips whilst caddy was looking at him with the mildest expression of concern what were you doing in the market with caddy and what in heaven's name induced you to run away as if possessed by a thousand devils paddy said what does all this mean tim have you gone clean mad and is it you paddy tim asked or is it your ghost for if it's your ghost i beg your honour ten thousand pardons for all the trouble i've given you in making your honour run after me so far and i beg your honour to forgive my old father and mother and my dear sister and to forgive me too and i humbly beg your honour will not haunt us for it will be the bodily death of us all but if we can do anything to give your blessed soul rest tell me what it is and it shall be done where shall we bury your blessed feet 
it was not our fault that this bloodthirsty baste bad luck to it ate you up last night all but your honour's feet bless em directly we found out the misfortune that had happened to your honour for i went early to fetch you to the most elegant breakfast my mother could get ready we all settled that the cannibal brute could no longer be one of our family and i brought her to the market to sell this is every word the blessed truth so i beg your honour to forgive us and may your soul rest in peace stop patty cried or you'll be the rail death o me it was now patty's turn to fall and he rolled about on the ground convulsed with laughter for he now saw what a mistake murphy's boots had led to when he had recovered himself enough to be able to speak he told tim how all had happened and advised him to take caddy home again directly which he did and caddy became even a greater favourite with the whole family than ever she had been chapter thirty four the three men of gotham on nottingham bridge you of course know that the good people of gotham have been particularly noted for their wisdom but if by chance this should not form one of the items of your varied knowledge the stories i am about to relate will leave no doubt on your minds as to the justice of the report whether it may be something in the air that has made these people so peculiarly gifted i cannot tell for i must confess that i have never been at gotham and know absolutely nothing of the geological properties of the soil or indeed of the neighbourhood in any way excepting that nottingham is the principal city of that part of the country you probably know as well as i can tell you what nottingham is noted for so i will say nothing about it particularly as what i might and could say would in no way help us in clearing up the mystery namely why the inhabitants of one particular place should be mentally gifted beyond others if indeed we were considering nottingham itself i might attempt some sort of an explanation by telling you that a great part of the business of the town being shoemaking would perhaps account for a contemplative turn of its citizens for shoemakers are supposed to be men of deep thought why this should be so is another mystery requiring to be cleared up which i will leave to others to do and only just remark that there can be no doubt several cases of men of thought and talent among that class might be cited i will only mention the german shoemaker of whom perhaps you have heard who wrote up over his shop hans Sachs, shoemaker and poet too that's not bad particularly for a german but to return to gotham with which a consideration of nottingham has nothing to do we all know particular individuals who are shining stars and even families of stars we know but still that does not tell us how and why there should be a whole community of such extraordinary lights we have confessed our inability to explain this in the case of gotham and therefore let us take a liberal view of the matter and suppose that from generation to generation the children inherited from their parents such a happy development of brain that it was utterly impossible they could be anything but wise it might be worth a phrenologist's while to go down there but mind i am only speaking of what the people of gotham were for as i said i know personally nothing of the place and at the present day all may be materially altered 
I cannot tell you exactly when it happened, but on a certain day, in a certain year, two men of Gotham met on Nottingham Bridge. "'Well met, neighbour,' said the one man. "'Whither are you going?' "'I have just come from the market at Nottingham, and am going home to fetch my wife and child, whom I forgot,' was the answer. "'And pray, where are you going, neighbour? "'I'm going to the market at Nottingham to buy sheep,' said the first man." and which way do you intend to bring the sheep home asked the man who had come from nottingham over this bridge answered he who was going thither but you cannot said the one but i must said the other but you shall not neighbour said the man who was on his way home to fetch his wife and child and why shall i not neighbour asked he who was going to nottingham to buy sheep you see said the one that there is not room for my wife and child to pass so keep them back man i care not said the other my sheep will pass so let your wife and child stand back they shall not pass but they shall pass woo woo back there shouted one man spreading out his arms and legs as is done to keep sheep back woo woo get on there shouted the other flourishing his stick and striking the ground first on one side and then on the other take care or you will drive them over my wife but if she is hurt you shall pay the doctor's bill i will not pay the doctor's bill but you take care for if you make my sheep jump over the side of the bridge and they are drowned you shall pay for them i will not pay for them but you must pay for them whilst this dispute was going on another man of gotham had ridden up with a sack of meal behind him on his donkey and hearing the quarrel between his neighbours about the one's wife whom he had just seen safe at home and about the other's sheep when there were no sheep there he got off his donkey and called to the two disputants to lift the sack of meal upon his shoulders when they had done so first untying the mouth of the sack he emptied the meal over the side of the bridge into the river then holding up the sack with the mouth down before his astonished neighbours he said will you tell me how much meal there is in this sack why none both said since you have just emptied it out well he answered just so much wit is in your two heads when you dispute about wife and sheep and neither wife nor sheep are here now which was the wisest of the three chapter thirty five the man of gotham and his cheeses one hot summer's day a man of gotham was on his way to nottingham market to sell his cheeses which he carried in a bag slung across his shoulder he found the heat oppressive and his load so troublesome that he could not help bewailing his lot in the following words unfortunate man that i am why have i not a cart like neighbour dobbins or even a barrow like old matthews my good woman will make so many cheeses that i have no rest any market-day but now i have it she is a shrewd woman and i will propose to her to make the cheeses so that they can walk to market and then i need only walk by the side of them to see that they do not loiter or play by the way i wonder she never thought of that this bright idea consoled him and made him forget even his load for a time but it weighed so heavily upon him that he was soon recalled to his misfortunes and as he trudged along he constantly changed the bag from one shoulder to the other 
now with these frequent changes the mouth of the bag had got loose and just as he reached the top of the hill looking down upon the bridge and nottingham in the distance one of the cheeses fell out and rolled down the hill he watched it for a time and as it kept so well to the road neither turning to one side nor the other but jumping over the stones that lay in its way he exclaimed in delight well done well done keep on like that my good friend and you'll soon be at your journey's end it was foolish of my old woman not to tell me that they could run by themselves but now that i have found it out i'm not going to carry the lazy things a step further having come to this wise resolution he bundled the cheeses out of the bag and as they rolled down the hill cried after them there follow your companion but you need not run so fast for i shall rest myself a bit and then walk leisurely after you now mind you all meet me in the market-place he watched them with the greatest satisfaction as they ran down the hill and over the bridge when the road turning suddenly they were lost to his sight and then too they all left the road some running into one bush and some into another whilst the rest got no further than the ditch by the roadside after a short rest the worthy man went on his way to nottingham without troubling his mind about the cheeses as he fully expected to find them waiting for him in the market-place but when he got there he was somewhat astonished to find they had not yet arrived no doubt he said to himself as soon as they were out of my sight they got to some of their games in some field or another that is always the way but they'll be here soon when however the market time was nearly over and the cheeses had not appeared he inquired of the market people whether they had seen them no one had seen his cheeses and when he was asked who brought them he said no one brought them sure they were quite able to come by themselves as you would say if you had seen them running along the road but now i think of it they were going at such a rate that they are no doubt halfway on their road to york by now so he hired a horse and rode off towards york to try and overtake them but strange to say he did not overtake them nor indeed did he ever see them again nor hear any tidings of them End of section 8